0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. It is time to talk with Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. DJ PK, brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show tomorrow from 2 to 6 at The Warehouse at 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. No boom, PK? All right, are we doing multiple booms? Well, I ain't got to read it again. Boom! Okay, okay. Well, I thought it was your turn to boom it. Okay. Time to bring in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Welcome back. I hope you're refreshed after your massive off season.
1: <laughs> yeah, I felt like we went to the postseason for quite a while. But yeah. no, I'm doing good. How are you all?
0: We're doing well. We're doing well. Merry Christmas and I, I did, uh, happy New Year to you.
1: I, I did. I don't know if you guys gave it to me or not, but I did have a little COVID bout for about three weeks, so I can blame without maybe I blame that on 1280. Get some kind of. Oh, you did. How, how was it? Uh, Oh, mm-hmm. terrible, man! I, you know what? Uh, I wouldn't want to go through it. Everybody has a different. My, it was just kind of crazy how it happened. My wife got it, and I, I went right down and immediately tested negative. You know, and three or four days later, I got it. But you know what? Uh, you just you get through it. But it's I've never had anything quite like. Some people, like I said, some people it's pretty light. Some it's more difficult. Right. Obviously, right. a lot of people are are dying from it especially those that are elderly and but it wasn't fun it wasn't fun and it took it took me about a month to just keep feeling normal again so but i feel good and i wouldn't wish that upon anybody
0: well i'm glad you're doing better i didn't know about that but i'm glad you're doing better now yeah. thank you so we have uh we have many things to discuss with you and i want to get the uh, saddest and heaviest out of the way first and then we'll get to the lighter stuff um, you probably know that uh, Ty Jordan, a star running back at Utah, freshman. They only had a five game season, and we literally—I mean—he was just a name on the roster. We, you know, within Zoom year, we're not going to practice and scrimmages or anything. So, game one, we see him, and he's one of four guys fighting for a job. And by Game 3, he's a starter. And by Game 5, he's a star. And I'm seeing stuff on the air. And I'm not the only one. But like, not only is he going to the NFL, he's going in two years. This bonus year of eligibility is meaningless to him. He is wildly talented. And he's making big plays on fourth and one. He's breaking 40-yard touchdowns and 80-yard touchdowns. But it's not just breakaway speed. It's just He's capturing everybody's imagination. And so even though I literally was never in a room with the guy because of the way interviews are done... Uh, he just captured everybody's imagination. And we wake up to the news Saturday morning um, that he's dead of an accidental gunshot. And it happened in Texas, and there aren't a lot of details. It's a long way away from here. Uh, But you're seeing the players react, and they have been in a room with him. And they've got intense personal relationships with him. And they are clearly hurting. And I... The staff is hurting, too. You know, we, we see comments come out from Mark Harlan and Kyle Whittingham, and then if you know other people, maybe you know what other people are thinking. But they're all taking it hard, and we've seen some of them out on social media. And you know what it's like. You've been in the locker room and traveled, and you know the bonds that are formed. And so while the coaches, you know, have to go through this themselves, they also have to help the players through it. And how do you... How do you possibly do that as a coach, both on the field and off? Because you're always responsible for the wins and losses, and it's insensitive to talk about who the next running back is and all that. But at some point, it's going to have to be addressed. And yet, at the same time, you're going to have to address the emotional, you know, grief these guys are feeling. And you're going to have to, you know, the mental health aspects. And some of the guys are going to be closer to them than others. Um, You know, position groups maybe interact more and all that stuff. What do you do, Steve?
1: You know, I mean, I think first of all, you know, I think you do a, a lot. I mean, you're going to initially visit. I've had, and you know, I've gone through in the last year, had two very, my very closest friends pass away and die, um, uh, one one to suicide and one to an accident. And uh, I, I know just from, I mean, you know, I, I'm in my sixties, and you know, I kind of understand life a little bit, and I have a perspective. Um, it was devastating. I mean, it just took my breath away. And you take an 18 or 19 year old young man who, as you said, has developed these bonds. Um, you know, I think initially you you know you're going to get that group together. I, I don't know what it's like for COVID and all that kind of thing going on. Or you if know, you can even get everybody together. For but I think certainly there's going to be some guys who had a closer relationship with him. And you know, there's one thing I learned over the last several years just being around young people and coaching. Uh, being a mission president with 600 kids uh, in church dealing with a lot of young, young adults, single adults. I used to always, it was very judgmental on my part, but I never really understood. It was my own ignorance about our minds and how they work and how important it is for young and old people to get counseling. And uh, I've seen it in my own family where anxiety and depression, and uh, I am a great proponent for, of people getting help, and sometimes we don't want to do that. So in these extreme cases like this, where you've got to go in and, and, and in those settings like that, it's going to be emotional. There's going to be some guys are going to cry and some guys aren't going to know what to do, and you kind of kind of have to process that thing. And, and really, as a coaching staff, I mean I can't even imagine a football coaching staff. But everybody's going to have to have some responsibility. I think if I was in that situation, the first thing I would do would reach out to counselors and reach out to those that that the university provides and and get input. I think sometimes as coaches we think, oh, we can deal with this. We'll chat about it, talk about it, which is absolutely appropriate. But it goes beyond that. And and sometimes for some young men this can be really lasting and others can process it differently and get through it and it doesn't impact them. But it would be really naive on – anybody's part, not to give every young man an opportunity individually to, to talk to a coach or to talk to a therapist or to talk to someone because these things are real. And I, I've seen it. It's funny. I, I never really understood. And so it was just my own ignorance when it came to professional people that can help people. And uh, as a coach, we can help kids and let them know that we love them, and that uh, we can, you know, we'll talk about the attributes of this young man and how he'll be missed, and and just come together. And that that's a really good thing. But there will be young people on that team that need more than that. And uh, and, and it would be wise on, and I'm sure they were. Listen, that's a great institution. They got all sorts of support, but on an individual level, there'll be young men that need help. And especially those that were really close and don't understand, and be lots of questions. Uh, it's heartbreaking. But I, I can just tell you that in my experience of working with young people, I used to take those things for granted, and then I started seeing upfront and personal as I talked to young people what they were struggling with. I realized I didn't have those tools, and so I've you know, Justin, even in California, here, I found two or three. Uh, therapists, guys that I really trust and, and like, and I myself, have just kind of, hey, tell me how this works. And so I think that'll be a big part of the healing process as well as making sure they get that kind of support.
2: So I've decided I don't know what your future holds. I know you already went on a mission, but if you go again, I'm fine with that. But you still have to make yourself available to us once a week if you go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's are not going to be another mission. Hopefully, not. okay, okay. <laughs> One oh. of those that three-year that three-year deal, Malbot, That's a twenty-four-seven. Uh, oh my! It took me a year to recover from that.
2: <laughs> okay, so what was worse, being a mission president or COVID?
1: <laughs> well, well, the mission presidency was uh, had so many rewards. COVID, you know, you know the that's funny none. thing about COVID, and every, everybody had a different experience with it, and so you don't ever judge can only go by mine but i've i've seen enough people and talked to them some of them it's like a cold some of it's like flu
2: yeah i know it's uh, crazy the good
1: news the good news for me i my my lungs were okay but i had the fevers and you know all this i i lost 15 pounds so that well, that might be a positive because <laughs> i lost my taste and smell and you know what i couldn't eat and i uh, just started eating again so i got to figure out some way to keep that 15 off <laughs>
2: Yeah, there you go. Well, we're glad that uh, everything's okay and you're back and – and can give us your insight on basketball and obviously things that go beyond basketball because that's where we left off last summer with you, talking about all the social movements that have been going on and then this thing here with this tragedy with Ty Jordan, very appropriate words on your behalf. As far as the basketball, you know, we've got NBA and college going on right now, and I wanted to talk to you specifically about BYU. As I'm watching them play, they've had some great victories uh, but I'm 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 amazed at the job Mark Pope is able to do because he's had two years now and he's bringing in overhaul on the roster both years and we see it in the NBA to an extent. You know how hard is it to just bring in a bunch of new guys and you can't really just roll out the balls and expect
1: them to have immediate success. No, and it takes time. And I think the one good thing is that Mark has. He's got a system he's got a program there's things that he believes in offensively and defensively and regardless of who plays that that that, you know that system in they've established a culture he's been around this game a long long time at the collision professional level he's seen what works and what doesn't work and you know the thing i think i like about mark is that you know he'd be the first to admit that you know that was probably a mistake on my part but he he has done a great job and, and and you know credit, new rules, and this and that, where guys can immediately get eligible. I mean, we, we dealt with a lot of transfers at both institutions where I coached. And there is, there is a process, but it certainly makes things easier when you have a, a senior like Alec Barcho who, who understands the culture and understands it, and you have that kind of player-led type team, even if it's only a, a guy or two. But they, they do have a, have a really I – nice. Mean, I've watched a few of their games and followed them. And I, I like the makeup of this team. And, uh, and obviously, it's a coaching staff that really connects with young people. And, uh, but they've had good wins. I mean, going up to USU, I mean, it, it's, everything is kind of relative. I mean, going up to Utah State and playing in front of 1,000 people is not the same thing as playing in ten or 11,000. But Mark Pope knows that. It's just the same thing, too, at home, you know, against Boise State. They probably beat Boise State if there's 20,000 people in the arena at the Marriott Center. But It is what it is, but certainly the San Diego State win, St. John, I mean, they've had good wins, but I, I like you. I like this team, and he's got, you know, the Averett kid seems to be getting better, Barcello, Harding. I mean, the, the, the surprises for me are Spencer Johnson and now who contributed three-point plays and three-point shooting. I, I think Loner's got a huge ceiling, and uh, I like him coming off the bench. I, he, they were starting him early. And there's a little bit of pressure there, but, you know, he's a kid that can play four positions. And and, one, and once he gets confidence and starts shooting it, he, he's got a huge upside. And, and then you got Harms and, you know, who can stand underneath the basket and, and dunk it. You know, I mean, he, he's so big and league, Harward. they they got a little bit of everything. So I, I look at them having a really good year, getting back to the tournament. Um, I think the league will be better. Obviously, Gonzaga, I don't think he's ever been better. But, uh, yeah, I, I like this team, and I thought that maybe this weekend's game with Pepperdine might be pretty good. And I hadn't really followed Pepperdine. I know that Edwards and Ross are two really, really good players, so I thought down there it might be. But, man, they've lost to Northridge, Santa Barbara, Bakersfield. Uh, you know, I mean, it, that doesn't make sense to me. So maybe things aren't as good as Pepperdine as I thought they were.
0: Don't lump Santa Barbara with Northridge and Bakersfield. Come on, Steve. I got feelings. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'm sorry. Holy cow, man! That's I don't rough. know the
1: guy. Do you know the guy. I don't know the guy coaching in Santa Barbara
0: right now. But no, I he's don't. He's done a nice job. Yeah,
1: yeah, he's done a nice job.
0: All right, so uh, you mentioned Gonzaga here. They're seven and zero. They've beaten four ranked teams. Mostly, they thrash these teams. Are they? They're all. They're not quite. They're almost a unanimous number one in the poll. And obviously. there's a lot of things working against a team. If you're not in one of the big football leagues and you're trying to be an elite basketball school, it can be done, but it's an uphill battle. Are they really this good? Are they even better than they're getting credit for? Is this uh, a bizarro COVID year, so we shouldn't take this too seriously? Because just on the eyeball test, they look like they're off the charts.
1: I'll go with the eyeball test. And I've seen them play twice for, you know, maybe five, six, seven minutes, and you follow their, you know, their scores and stuff. So I don't know that team that really yet. I, you know As the season goes on, I'll get to know them. But, man, it is the absolutely best team I've ever seen him coach. And there's so much step. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen the landscape of college basketball enough to know, but it, it doesn't seem that uh, there's anybody to their equal right now. And uh, you know when, you, when was the last time we saw Kentucky with like five, six, or seven losses? And you know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's it's a change of the landscape, and Gonzaga is the king of the hill right now, man. So when I've watched them, they look—I mean, they they got a bunch of pros playing. They're playing together, and it's the best team I've seen. And um, I mean, anything can happen. We've watched it happen in March or whenever they're going to end up playing the NC c two tournament this year depending on COVID, but, yeah, uh, you, know, you can't, I wouldn't bet against Gonzaga. I mean, they're just, they're just so well coached and together. And here's another guy that brings people in, you know, transfers every year and they just kind of it's a smooth transition because they've got a great culture and they've got a system and people just want to go there now. And he, you know, I mean, they, uh, they're in a situation now that, uh, if people oftentimes, oh, well, we is he going to – you know, Mark will take another job. He's not going anywhere. He's got as good a job as there is in the country, gets great players. He doesn't need to be at North Carolina or Duke or anywhere else. He, he's he got his own great job right there, and uh, when he's – you know, when he decides he wants to quit, he'll quit. But a lot of times people talk about, oh, they're going to have a hard time keeping him there. Guy that loves fishing, loves that area. <laughs> and just loves winning 30 games a year. I, I, I would be shocked if he ever leaves Gonzaga.
0: So since
2: we lost last spoke to you, the Jazz were sold. Uh, we know Ryan Smith was interested in buying an NBA team, and somewhat of a surprise, but if you step back, you know that that's uh, been a goal of his, and he is a big-time Cougar fan, been involved down there in Provo, obviously. Do you know him at all?
1: You know, I've, I've met him and talked to him a few times because uh, he, was, uh, he was, you know, he was still building and doing things. And, you know, when I was coaching there and then when Dave got going and uh, he got real involved in Dave's program towards the latter part of Dave's program. And, uh, but he's been a great supporter of that institution. He's a basketball guy, an amazing golfer. He's really talented. Um, and, and so I, I think what, what a, it, everything I've read and heard, and certainly the conversations I've had with him, you know, the few conversations I've had with him, really an impressive guy. And but he's competitive, you know, in, in whatever he does. And I know that there's a number of guys they hoop up every morning, and he and a lot of the a lot of the guys down in in, in Utah in Utah County play and. He, he, he'll play three or four times a week himself. So he probably now he's got a really big place to play in, <laughs> but I know sometimes they're down there playing Brian Santiago. And those guys will play at the practice facility or play at churches or whatever. So now he's, he's, he's a hoop guy, man. And he's passionate about it. And uh, he didn't take very long, giving Gobert a, a, a healthy contract. So uh, it'll be interesting to, and fun to watch.
0: So they've already played a really good game and a really bad game. Uh, Do you have any sense of who they really are in the long run? Because obviously there's going to be some of these games mixed into some level throughout the course of a season.
1: Isn't that true for the league? I mean, you look at the scores in the first week, some of just horrific scores where, you know, it's going to take a while for everybody to work themselves into it. But, you know, the thing about it is this team obviously looks, they got favors, picked him up, got themselves a little bit better by getting him. But, you know, all the players are pretty much the same. And you would have that expectation. I think Conley, you know, remember last year when Conley got in, it took him a while to, you know, to kind of get get things going. But you would think with Conley and Mitchell and Clarkson, guys that could all score it, Bogdanovich, they've already all had some bad games and they've had a good game. We'll just kind of see how things go. You know, I mean, the Jazz were so close last year and – my goodness, if you just follow the scores of games right now, it's like anybody can beat anybody on a given night. And when you're playing in front of no fans, people are going to get beat at home. And, and I think that's what the bubble taught everybody, was that if this is, is going to be different, man. I mean, there's no home court advantage. I mean, once you play in a gym, and a lot of the games are going to be sometimes where they play two games in the same, same city. You might play them on Tuesday, then play them again on Thursday or Friday. So there, there isn't a real advantage playing at home other than the fact that it's the way you practice. Uh, but I, I really like this Jazz team. I think the predictions, I mean, they were really close. They had a chance to, to do something special last year, and it didn't happen. I think they seem committed. I, I mean, I don't think anything's really changed. I will say this as I look my perspective on this, and I look at the teams that you think can win an NBA championship, and I know that's what the goal is for the Jazz, is that, You've got to have two all stars that can score it. I mean, you got all star guys that can score the basketball from lots of different places on the floor, and obviously the depth and all the other things you got to have. But I think that that you know, last year we'll just go with what well, happened last year. You know, there was inconsistency with scoring; guys that just kind of go away and then they come back. And 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 obviously Mitchell is 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 the all star, and Gobert is the all star, but he's going to be a guy that scores 15 or 16 points a game because he's around the basket. He certainly protects the rim and he can rebound it. He, you know, he's a special player, but if, if the jazz don't get to where they want to go, I think at, at some point in time, you, you take a combination of Bogdanovich and Connolly and, you know, who are all really good players in their own rights and, and Clarkson, who I love off the bench, but then there, you still ask the question if, if, things don't go like they hope it will go a month from now, you you wonder if maybe that one piece is missing still.
0: So we know you know Paul George, and you know him from Fresno State. You know him for a long time. And you know him really well. Do you know him well enough to say, hey, Paul, what's it like to be down by 50 at halftime? Or is that something you have to let go? Oh,
1: man. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about Paul is that I will I'll text him and have a little conversation, and then the next week or, or a month later, you know, I'm not in contact – no, you know he's changed his phone again. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that he's got a new phone right now. Uh, you know what? How, that that's ridiculous. That that with the entire team. I mean, it's just it's kind of like we're just going to give up. You know, and I, I realize Kawhi didn't play, and guys get down, and people are capable of doing that. But you got to have fight in here every night. You can't you can't establish habits like that. I was really disappointed in that. And they had had a really you know, I I you know you know I'm a, a bit of a Laker fan as well as a Clipper fan because of Paul. But uh, you know I mean the Lakers got their rings and they got all lot or whatever they did there that night. They seemed to be a little bit off. But I I thought the Clippers came out. I thought Paul came out. You know I mean he had 30. Everybody seemed pretty focused. And then you know they got a win without Kawhi. I mean I mean last year didn't Kawhi manage about eight or ten games where he didn't play, and uh, they're going to miss Harrell. Uh, I was, I was kind of pleased as a Lakers guy to see them pick him up. I'm telling you, that the Clippers are going to miss him because he just had so much energy. But, yeah, that's, that's really disappointing to watch the kind of money they're being paid and the kind of exposure they have to just kind of basically quit.
0: Well, Steve, we'll leave it there. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Glad you bounced back from uh, COVID, and uh, we will uh, talk to you again in 2021. All right, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Syringa is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. All right, time to recap everything you've missed. If you joined the show a little late today, we have been all over the map. The NFL is getting intense. One week to go, playoff positioning and playoff berths at stake. In the AFC, we've got three division champs crowned. And so there's five teams for four spots. Uh, Kansas City's locked in at one. Pittsburgh and Buffalo are fighting for two and three. That could go either way. Buffalo's playing New England tonight. And then uh, next week will be crazy, and we'll see who, which 10 or possibly even 11-win team, probably not, um, but certainly a 10-win team will get left out of the playoffs. Maybe they'll all win. That would involve Cleveland beating Pittsburgh, so good luck with that. Um, that'd be an 11-win team getting left out. And then over in the NFC, uh, you've got three teams fighting for two wild cards, and you've got three teams fighting for the division title in the NFC East. So plenty on the line. Is there one or two storylines you're focused on? Because there, we could spend a whole segment just going through what every team's got on the line here in the final week.
2: Oh, I think it's a recurring, not reoccurring, recurring. (laughs) And that is the outstanding quarterback play. This is the era of outstanding quarterbacks. And it is the era of outstanding quarterbacks who we would consider older players well into their 30s. You know, Roethlisberger has struggled here a little bit, and he put it on. That's what I liked about Roethlisberger, too, is he said, I need to play better. I mean, I love when guys not necessarily call themselves out, but put themselves out there. Like Donovan Mitchell, we're not going to lose in the first round again. He's not calling himself out in the way of, well, I need to play better. That's calling yourself out. But I love it when guys put themselves out there and hold themselves accountable within a team framework. You know, the Steelers have lost a few games, right? They lost two or three in a row, and I got to play better. Boom, right out there. And then they go ahead and they win. And Mitchell, we're not going to lose in the first round anymore. He's not really calling himself out, but he's putting himself out there, holding him accountable. And J.J. Watt did that yesterday. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to hear. I want to see them say that. I want to hear the words that come out of their mouths by saying that stuff. Because that tells me that they're not just in it to collect these big paychecks because these paychecks have made these guys winners beyond belief in terms of what you what money can bring, right? And we accept that, we deal with that. But I want more than that. So I love it when these guys call themselves out in that manner or, you know, call out the team and put themselves out there. And so the advancement of the quarterbacking, they've been able to be as good in advanced ages has just been remarkable. And we know with Brady and Breeze, they're the leaders because they're both over 40. But you've got Aaron Rodgers, man. It's just playing at an incredible level. And then you got younger guys, too. I mean, uh, Wilson isn't really younger, but he's still in his prime. Obviously, Mahomes is younger. They're not winning anything right now, but Justin Herbert is way young. And, uh, you know, maybe they can get it together down the line. But the quarterback play that is out there is just amazing to me to watch. And you see it at the college level, too. Programs, these programs that used to be the traditional three yards in a cloud of dust. No, they're, they're putting up big numbers. You know, Alabama, Matt Jones. Yep, Look at him, man. This guy's incredible to watch. The kid down in Florida. Uh, And obviously, uh, Lawrence has been doing it. And let us not forget the greatness that is Zach
0: Wilson. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 70% completion rate for the season. The season! And 44 touchdowns and only five picks. That's startling. (laughs) That is spectacular. Nine to one touchdowns to picks. But to your point, you know, if Roethlisberger is the guy who wins the Super Bowl, then they literally have done it without a running game. Their leading running back ran for 20 yards. And I mean, it's not, you know, it's not the era of the dominant running back. This is the era of the dominant quarterback. Yeah. But still, you look around, you want to have a back who can get you 70 or 80 yards. Well, they got one in Connor. Isn't he coming back? Uh, he, he's the guy who ran for 20 yards, and he has been. Right, but it was his, what was his first game back? Wasn't it? He has been good at times, and I had him on my fantasy team, so I've tracked him week to week. Um, but even with him out. You would think your offensive line could could get somebody 50 yards, 40 yards. I mean, the number of games they've had, I'll have to look it up, but I I want to say they've had three or four games now where they haven't had a back run for 30 yards, PK. I mean, it is literally, it's all on Roethlisberger and all the thing about you can't be one-dimensional. They are absolutely one-dimensional from the moment they walk out of the locker room. And Roethlisberger can say, i got to be better. The running game's got to be better. It's got to be. I mean, in the playoffs, you know, you can get by in the regular season, the focus isn't the same, and the opponents may not be as good. But in the playoffs, the opponents are going to be great, and they're going to be hyper-focused. And to think that he could just do this by himself, I don't know what would be more impressive, him or Rodgers. And you know I'm already on record. I'm a Mahomes guy. Like, he is thrilling TV. So you think Mahomes is good? Is that what you're saying? If he's on, I'm watching. Suppose he's off. Are you still watching? I can't if he's off. Oh, you mean If he's on TV. Oh, I thought you meant if he's on his game. He's always on his game. That's why I want to watch. Always <laughs> on his game? No, he's he throws an interception. On his game. He can't possibly always on his game. Well, that's he, what you just said. It's an expression, PK. It summons an emotion. Don't take it so literally. You want more emotion <laughs> from me and then the second you get it you start whining. Even if I don't get it I whine. That's true. That's a fact. All right, so we've talked a lot of NFL today. We have also talked uh, a lot of jazz. Uh, They were so good in Portland and so not good at Minnesota that Quinn Snyder interrupted the PR person and said, Hold on, Madeline. I Basically, I got something I want to say here. And he just let it go with the don't have the intensity. They were the more aggressive team. They were the team running up and down the court. Uh, that's why they won the game. Uh, the, the post-game locker room sessions have gotten shorter than ever. And they are sometimes only three or four questions. And Quinn had a message he wanted out there, PK. You coach through the echo chamber. You know guys hear it. They're going to see it on social media. It's going to get, it's going to, you know, they have friends and family listening. And uh, it's going to get back to them. And so he threw it out there. And I'm sure he says it to him individually. And he's sure he says it to him in a group. But he says it out in public, too.
2: So is that going to be the new thing on our show? If you've got something that you really want to say and one of us is possibly probably me going to interrupt like I did that time when you did the soccer. Yeah, and so no, you, you didn't because manifesto- you weren't on. So- <laughs> right. But I'm saying that's but all I had done it so many times that exactly. you're finally free to express yourself. Do we now when we've got a point to make and we say we're running out of time, Yach's
0: telling us to go to yeah. break, do we now say, Hold on, Madeline? I'm a hundred percent on board with that. I saw where you were going and I thought, This is an excellent idea. Hold on, Madeline. <laughs> Yes! Not only should that be a thing on our show, that'd be a thing across the board. And this is going to shock Madeline when she hears it. It doesn't really have anything to do with her. She happened to be the one running the Zoom session when it happened. I'm going to face a new round of questions of why are people calling you Madeline going forward? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is, and don't call me Madeline. That's not quite the movie line, but yeah, we get the point. Well, the way you said it, hold on. Hold on, Madeline!
2: (laughs) Yeah, that scream that's to me man yeah, this is a sense of urgency. you got something that needs to be said and anytime I can speak from my experience, if you really both of you, both of you as I would say, if you've really got something to say, I want to hear it and so that will be the that will be That's the cue. The that's the cue. The cue is the word I was looking for. Yes. thank you. yes.
0: You for, know who should yes. say that in the movies? Tommy Lee Jones. Can you see Tommy Lee Jones in a Western? <laughs> hold on, Madeline. He's sitting in the wagon. Hold on, Madeline. And chase the horse, and so they go bouncing down the road.
2: Which <laughs> is so ironic because Saturday night after the jazz game, I'm flicking around, killing time. And I came across a fugitive. And I oh, yeah. That That's a good Tommy
0: Lee Jones and, movie. And,
2: and, yeah. And so it would have been awesome. Yeah. But, and, yeah. Going forward,
0: men Hold in, on, it, Madeline. Yeah. And Men in Black 14, he can turn to Will and say, Hold on, Madeline! And then, boom, they see it, the, the wheels will come up on the car and whatever CGI effects will take over, and they'll go flying into outer space or whatever they're doing. So,
2: like, when Ralphie just he froze in the moment and said he was just like a football, and then he's trying to climb back up that slide, should he have said to Santa Claus, Hold, Hold on, on, Madeline?
0: Yes, I like it. I like it. Will Farrell turns and says... Hold on, Madeline. And then turns it. Santa, you sit on a throne of lies. Oh, yeah.
2: Excellent. Yeah. Right, because he said he was Santa, and obviously Will had literally known Santa. Yep. Up at the North Pole. <laughs> and he knew said- full well that that was
0: not Santa. I saw a debate on social media over the holidays about whether that was a good Christmas movie or not. Like, No what? matter what you Elf? think of the movie. Yes. Yes, I couldn't believe it's it. It's outstanding. Is. I, I agree. I like it a lot, too, but there were people who didn't. But the one no thing you way. can't debate... I know, I know. But Twitter's a crazy Hold place. Hold on, Madeline! Yeah, exactly. And But... If for no other reason, no, it doesn't matter if that plot, if you think that plot is like the worst schlock ever slopped onto, uh, onto a piece of paper, right? Simply for the line, you sit on a throne of lies, that movie is a win. That is such a good gift. It's such an easy line to use. People always know what you're talking about when you say it. That alone makes it a classic. Everything else oh, is just bonus. All sorts of classic lines. They even mentioned it, Thurl mentioned it
2: with uh, Craig Bullerjack on Saturday. Now, Thurl said that was one of his favorites, if not his favorite. He said he's already watched it twice this season. They discussed that Saturday night,
0: the day after Christmas, right? Christmas <laughs> is Friday? Yeah. So if we can get Thurl during the broadcast <laughs> <laughs> to look at Buller and say, Hold on, Madeline! You sit on a throne of lies. When he disagrees with the point Buller makes, that would be awesome. That'd be it. I
2: I agree. I don't know that it'll happen, but I agree.
0: All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. Everything that you think about today's show. But before we get to that, hold on, Madeline. (laughs) It'll work better when I don't interrupt myself. It will be more effective if I yell it at you than if I yell it at me. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I just want to say something happened an hour ago, and the people don't know, but it was one of my worst fears. It was a moment of terror, and I know it's going to happen for reals, as the kids like to say, I've been told. How would I know? Kids don't talk to me. But it's going to happen. So we have been doing this show, and we're, we're, we're getting pretty good at it here. We've been doing this show now remotely, socially distanced, We don't have contact tracing interviews. If one of us get issues, if one of us uh, gets uh, COVID, you know we aren't both going to be gone because you're you're doing it remotely and I'm in studio. So, uh, and we've gotten pretty good at that. What we lose in this is the ability to just kind of uh, shoot the breeze. (laughs) For lack of a more accurate term uh, During commercial breaks But sometimes we need to talk about the show And what's going on And so Yawk has to turn on our mics And then we talk during the commercial break And I always have the fear I was trained early in college radio That's a microphone How do you know it's live? You don't So you assume it is always live And I had that drilled into me Doesn't mean I haven't made a couple mistakes along the way Because I have spectacularly, really. but I had that drilled into me and I always have that that fear, that terror. And uh-huh. when that mic came on earlier and you're like, dog, dog. And I thought, is he starting to spot? What's going on? I didn't, there was no, um, usually, uh, usually Jake will say, uh, PK wants to talk to you now and then he'll connect and he'll do, push the buttons and make the magic work and we'll talk to each other. It's going to happen, uh-huh. PK. We are going to have an off-air conversation on the air. It's going to happen. Yak, you can tell me it's not, and maybe you'll be out sick that day or on vacation, and someone else will do it, but it's going to happen. Well, I'm sure it will, and I would just like to say it would probably be, man, I just love
2: working for this management. They are the best people ever. <laughs> Don't you agree,
0: DJ? Absa freaking lutely PK. <laughs> we are surrounded by beautiful people. I people who lift work. us up every day.
2: <laughs> when I was working for the Daily Breeze, we would have uh, inner computer messaging that you could do. And uh, I meant to send it to a co-worker, but I actually sent it to my boss. And I had a little disturbance out in the field, so to speak. And I was a guy was asking me about it. And I sent him the message thinking it was to this other guy. Brian was his name, a coworker. But I actually sent it to my boss. My boss's name was Mike. And I said, yeah, Mike really backed me up big time. I really appreciate it, man. I'd run through a wall for him. He's been awesome during this whole process. Well, I had Mike's name on my mind. I type in his name. The message went to my boss rather than to my coworker. <laughs> and it was all complimentary. You brown noser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably thinking, what are you doing here, man? This is so phony. But it was a true story, and I actually felt that way. So the one time I sent a wrong message to the person, it's actually uh, beneficial to me because I was complimenting him. But I could tell you, and I can't tell you on the air, and I, I think I may have told you one in particular, was just a gruesome yes, sending it to the wrong person. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thought the guy was going to have a heart attack right out on the spot, and I can't repeat it because it was nasty. Uh, But, wow, those things happen, and they could be really nasty.
0: So far, what I've done really well is uh, I've got three different Jakes that I work with. Jake Hatch, who's obviously producing this show, and he's nodding because he knows where I'm going. And Jake Scott, who does the afternoon show and used to produce our show years ago. And then Jake Edmonds, who works over at Channel 2 in the sports department. And they have all received the wrong text for the wrong Jake. On oh, the wrong issue, <laughs> meant for the other guy. <laughs> They've all done it, you know. Well, really, I just you, did
2: it. To, I did it the other day. Paul Kirk at Utah
0: uh-huh. Sports
2: Information. Yeah, uh, I my wife had, bro- had broke her leg a couple months back, right? Mm. So she's starting to make progress now and can walk without a, a little bit of a limp, but not too bad. And started hitting some golf balls. So I took a picture of her. Uh, like one of those car dealer things, you know, you see the big inflatable bear with the arms up. And so she's got the golf club in her hand. Cause she's hit some balls. And I meant it to send it to my sister who's named Patty. Yeah. I know my parents didn't have original names and in the alphabet, in the phone, it P Right. Instead of sending it to Patty, I sent it to Paul Kirk, this picture of my wife. <laughs> Paul's like, And he, g- right. and he goes, wow, oh, that's great news. Uh, thanks for letting me know. You know him. He's <laughs> I, super nice. I know he is. <laughs> <laughs> this was just like three days ago, by the way. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's not thinking...
0: WTF, dude! Everybody else would be, but not him. Mr. Supportive. Could
2: you imagine if I had sent it to the prior sports information director?
0: (laughs) You'd have gotten something funny back.
2: And I look at he he responds back, Oh, that's great news, thanks for sharing. You would have have gotten back a,
0: what are you doing?
2: (laughs) This is so funny. I said to him, I said, this is hilarious. I said, my... My wife's embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I meant to send it to my sister, Patty. Instead, one below my sister in the P alphabet is you, Paul. I sent it to you. And and he said, oh, I was sort of wondering. (laughs) But (laughs) but he did tell me somewhere along the line this season – we had had a phone conversation and i had told him about my wife's broken leg Oh, okay so, so like he was aw- yeah he was aware of it and i didn't remember that i actually had told him about it because i don't see him we used to you know see him two three times yeah. a week yeah and, and you did talk to him but yeah. it hasn't been the case but we did have a couple of phone conversations about some stuff earlier in the fall and he remembered it so i said "Well, thanks for being a good sport
0: Oh, now we're getting feedback here. Jeff just tweeted at us. Yeah, I once sent a risque message to my dental assistant thinking it was my wife. Going to the dentist now sucks. (laughs) Awkward. Thank you, Jeff. Oh, my gosh! That's <laughs> awful. Yeah. No, it's not. It's awesome because it happens to somebody else. <laughs> I guess that's true. It's, I mean, it would suck to be deaf. That's so cringeworthy. I know. Just, I guarantee you. There's about 20
2: lines that came to mind that I think are hilarious, but I can't
0: share yeah, not any of those, okay? <laughs> A bunch of dental puns. Oh, yeah, easily. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, oh, wow, now that now I'm thinking of him. Yep, can't say that. Can't say that. <laughs> uh, we got other feedback. That was the point of this uh, segment originally. Uh, Alan tweets at us, I am not a Texans fan, but J.J. Watt's an amazing competitor and an amazing human. Uh, I retweeted the thing you were talking about, PK. We ran it on Talking Sports last night. Almost two minutes of J.J. Watt with guys got to work harder. They got to show up on time. We're terrible. Basically, saying it's like we just look like we don't care and we're awful and why because these people are putting in all this time and all this money they're buying jerseys they're blocking out three hours to watch a game they're thinking about it they want the team to be good and uh we're, we're not even close <laughs> just not even close i would take that
2: two minute speech that he gave and i'd show it in every locker room in the u.s
0: more feedback coming in. Uh, Jim says, same old jazz. When they happen to be hot and every shot's dropping, they're great, but they don't know how to win on off nights. Zero ability to grind out wins. Zero, man. That leaves no room. Nope. We shall see about that. See, I think, I think that zero ability to grind out wins. NBA seasons are so long, everybody, even the bad teams, grind out wins. I mean, that may be the only way a bad team wins.
2: I think that is almost the nature and definition of playoff fit wins.
0: Uh, let's see. We got, why am I getting this? Uh, how do you explain the Jazz performances from game one to game two? And Mark tweets back, eggnog. <laughs> Makes sense when you think so about it. As much as anything else, right? All right, we're out of time. Hands of Scotty are coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow right here on 97.5 at 1280 the zone.